if I wanted to die, it's like very cliche, but I, I added a new like. But I'd like to die when I was like old and just fall asleep. And like, I didn't care about it, you know. I'm just such a like, uh, I guess I can say it, that I'm a pussy. But so, like, I'm a pussy when it comes to death. It's the number one thing stopping me, you know. Because, like, I've dealt with suicidal ideation and, like, depression and stuff. But just being a total bitch about death is probably the number one reason, like, I haven't gone through with anything. Same. You don't believe in, like, a, uh, I, I, you know, <laughs> you're heavily Christian. You don't believe in, are you not, is it, is, does the afterlife scare you? I mean, like, I was raised Pentecostal, so there's always that, like, 0.001%, like, fear in your mind, like, what if hell is, like, real, and then I'm definitely going to it. Like, like, um, like, you never, like, lose this inherent, like, childhood fear. It's almost like, I don't know, like, I don't like to say that I've had a traumatic childhood because my childhood wasn't that traumatic compared to others, like, nothing super bad you can think of has ever happened to me but like belief in hell in and of itself is sort of like a traumatic experience for a child right it's like oh like you have to behave this way or you will literally burn alive for longer than your life for all time and you don't have like a that's a crazy fucking thing to say to a kid yeah I mean before you even have that was fucked up (laughs) a concept of like of time like yeah so yeah i was a little bit scary you worry about it i don't know if i'm i'm iffy on the afterlife i i think you know i tend more toward like the jewish tradition of like here and now like the point of christianity if there's an afterlife we'll see hopefully i'll at least get purgatory right that's not even in protestantism so i don't even understand purgatory like is that supposed to are you supposed to is there like an emotional state in purgatory or is it just supposed to be boring because it's the same well for a while purgatory and limbo were different in the catholic church where like limbo is like you're going to be here forever because you weren't baptized or whatever so like you know african babies go to limbo if they get if they're not baptized like if they die young before whatever and then eventually the catholic church is like no there's no limbo there's only purgatory which i guess is like if you need to redeem yourself from some sin because you didn't get to talk to a priest before you die and absolve yourself of sins. So you have to like, I don't know how it came through in the Bible. Like I'm not really sure about how a lot of Catholic traditions came about because I'm not Catholic, but, but yeah, it's sort of just like, Oh, well this person was really bad, but they were also, you know, a good Catholic or a good Christian person. So they can come to heaven after a little while. I don't even know your religious background, uh, Brandon, and I've known you. What's up? I don't even know your religious background. I think I've known you longer. I don't know if we talked about it, honestly. Really? Um, I remember I was raised a Christian, just non-denominational, you know. Assimilationist Christian, but yeah, I I agree. I, I, was, I was taught about health from very early on, and it freaked me the fuck out. It freaked me the fuck out for years. For years, because, like, at certain points, if you, like, a lot of the Bible stories, kind of, especially the ones they tell kids to start to, mm-hmm. you know, start to not believe it so much. You know, the idea of getting swallowed up by a whale for a while and then being regurgitated back up, you know, made me, like, understand now that they're, like, they're really just, you know, they're trying, like, 
there's like parables, but I wasn't taught that. No, I wasn't either. Yeah, like, it doesn't really happen. Like, you gotta believe. Like, if you don't believe your shit, like, you're just done. Like, you're 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 smoking forever. Yeah, I had a rela. My grandfather was literally like a professor at a Christian college of like science and the Bible, and he believed not even all. I would say most Christian professors don't even believe all this now, but he did. He believed that like all of Genesis and all of the Old Testament was all literal, and he would even have these roundabout crazy ways of being like, and this is how we know the flood happened, and then like all this other shit. It's really wild the circles that people can spin themselves into into. Believing it, I think it's much nicer to hear and be like, this is, you know, a parable and a story to learn from. Yeah. Brandon, you're muted. <laughs> yeah, there's this huge cognitive disconnect if you're, like, really trying to take it literally. Like, my mom would call me of, like, you know, she told me, like, the creation of Eve and stuff, and so, like, that's, like, why to this day women have, like, one less rid than men? And, like, I mean, I took... Is that true? Yeah, I took her word for it. No, no. Do women have one last rib? No. It's not even... It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. They never, like... No, women don't have an odd number of ribs. I just never thought about it. Like, it never occurred to me to check a partner's rib or anything. Like... It never occurred to me either. And I did check it. And it was completely life. Well, the thing is, when my mom, that like, I think she was trying to get into nursing school. Oh, all. <laughs> so she was working at like, I think she may have been in nursing school already, but she, I know she was looking at like cadavers and anatomical texts and stuff, and she was still telling me all this shit. Now, I still don't understand it now. I just don't understand, like, how people can be, like, literalists when the first two pages of the Bible contradict each other about the creation, about, like... Yeah. About, like, when a man and woman... When man and women were created and how and just... I don't know. It's weird, and... It's because Christians don't, like, learn anything from, like, like technically what is it Christianity is supposed to be derived from Judaism, but yet they don't know like how like Jews read the Bible or scriptures there. Like, so they're just like, Oh, well, I guess this is all real. Like, let's just take this all at face value without having even studied it. Like, I don't even think Jewish people believe it's all literal. So like, well, I've never heard of a flat earth or Jewish person. So yeah, no, it's not like that. It's just like, like they understand that it's parables for lessons or whatever. And they still, you know, they still have conservative Jews, but conservative Jews still j tend to just follow, like, the rules more than believe the stories is literal. I think they, I think they like respecting the scholarly approach, the religious text, too. Like, I didn't go a lot of the Christian population who are, like, biblical literalists. I, I don't think they really enjoy seeing the Bible in, like, uh, in a historical context at all. I think they just want to be divorced from, you know, time and space and just being like the word of God. Yeah, not to mention, like, oh. literal hundreds of translations over thousands of years. What do you guys know? Sorry you bring that up. Like, you know, God wasn't, God was talking to, you know, it was being transcribed like it wasn't in English. 
they sometimes get offended by that, but. Yeah, wasn't there a Bill Hicks joke too about like what's it say on the front of the Bible, King James Bible? That's his Bible. Yeah. I do have that Bible though. Of all the translations, I like that one. It's very um poetic. I've never actually been able to get through it because I'm too dumb. Like I can't read Shakespeare. I had to read the Balderized versions in high school and I don't know. My brain just doesn't function that way. I mean I'll, I don't blame you. I studied Shakespeare in college, you know. I'm like, I'm my major. Normally, I don't, I don't get this whole thing like Shakespeare reading Shakespeare having to be agony. Like it, like it's, it's people see it, think of it as like this kind of high flutin type thing. As a type of benchmark, I can't understand the fucking thing. Then you're dumb. But again, it's like they were talking like that was the 17th century. Yeah. Maybe I don't fucking remember anymore, but I think it was six, yeah, sixteenth, and they like I don't know. It's easier if you say it out loud since it was supposed to be performed. Right. I found it easier when I had to study it, but whatever, people. That's just like like language changes. If those people came into our fucking universe and like looked online and saw all the shit that we say, they would have no idea what we were saying either. Yeah, I mean, every day going on Twitter, it takes like fifteen minutes to figure out what people are say like what the words they're saying mean anymore yeah oh uh because there's just a new reference every fucking day new references <laughs> well, uh, new levels of irony sorry you know like a website exists like rap genius oh yeah that has like translations or stuff that's coming out like today oh yeah like you know I got that a lot of like, you know, the peasant classes that were standing in the globe theater with like kings or whatever, like they might not have, they might not have got every reference. Like, like the nobles may have not got all the references either. They're there for the slapstick. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that was the entire point, wasn't it? It was something he was communicating to two different audiences on two different levels, and that was like part of the genius of him. Yeah. Um. I mean, yeah. Thinking about rap genius too, like thinking about just how Christians still use how Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah as like a religious song constantly. A song about being sad and fucking. Uh. Yeah. I mean, John Cale. Uh, the story. I don't know if you guys have heard the story behind the, the, the current iteration of Hallelujah, but apparently Leonard Cohen wrote like 150 verses of it and would just... Oh my God. Jesus. Yeah, and he would just perform the random verses live. And one time John Cale heard a performance and he was like, hey, I want to do a cover of that. Can you send me the lyrics? And then he sent him like 50 pages of lyrics. And he said he, quote, just took out the naughty bits and um, then made them the song. That is a gratuitous amount of lyrics. Yeah, I mean, I respect it. I can't write any, so. I want to I see a version of him doing it in just one take, though. Yeah, it would be nice. I, uh, I wonder if John Cale still has all the original lyrics that he faxed him because he's dead. I mean, Leonard Cohen's dead now, so I don't know if any record of the other verses, unless there's like recordings of live performances from them. Um, but yeah. So what was the question? How do I want to die? I don't remember. Uh... Yes. Oh, yeah. How do you want to die? No, man, I don't even know anymore. Um, 
Or it used to be like for a long time, like my my thing was like, oh, there's gonna be no way I'm gonna like I'm gonna be able to like sit in the hospital bed or just like get old, older, whatever. Just the idea that seems like um, it was like horrifying to me, you know. So like to like well, just like like just slowly lose a certain amount of control of your agency. That's what I thought it was, you know. Yeah. Well, I was like. I always just, I'm like, oh, when the opportune time comes, I'm just going to, like, I'm going to just kill myself. Like, you know, you know, I had, like, suicidal ideation. Yeah. And there was, like, depressive episodes like that, too. Even the worst in that, there was, like, there was this conscious, like, thought of, like, I was going to go. And I like to do it, you know. Um, but I don't know. I don't have a preference. I'm just, like... I, I think if anything, I would just be, I think the romanticism from being like a sad, sad, sad kid for so long, um, like the last remnant of it was like me wanting to be like, I'm going to die. I like to be like uh, aware of it, I think. Oh, I don't. In what way? I don't. <laughs> well, I want to know like, do you want to have like a gun pointed at your face? <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? No, no, because that's like that, that. That means somebody else gets to do it. I don't really want that either, but I do like. What about an animal? Like, I want to know what it feels like to be like, oh, this is my final moment. This is it. Hmm. Oh my God, I don't. I do want to know. I don't. I don't want to know anything. You don't get too many of those. You don't get. Many opportunities to feel that. So, Ugh. one thing I'm really curious about actually is like to lose like having dementia. To like, I want to know what it feels like, but then also be able to live my life and reference it. Like, um, yeah, my grandfather had Alzheimer's. Like, yeah, like for a long, long time, and like mine too. And then, like, he finally died, and, like, I don't know, his last, like, I remember, like, we didn't go and say bye to him, and, like, he hadn't really known who I was for, like, a year, and everyone was just hoping, like, you know, there's a certain point when someone has Alzheimer's or dementia that you're like, God, I wish they would die, not because of how, not because you don't want them to die, but because it just seems like such a miserable life, you know? Yeah, even just yeah. living at a home. So I just waved at him, and he waved at me, and then, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just recently, my grandmother in a home. I was just seeing my grandmother in a home recently. I mean, like when she was in the hospital like a year or two ago, maybe two or three years ago now, um, when I would visit her at one point, she was just, I was just trying to talk to her. And I guess the way I led conversations, and she just ended up saying like, I'm like done. I don't, I wish they would stop reviving me. Like, Jesus, I'm just bored, like basically. But, um, yeah, I don't know. The whole thing of having dementia is so interesting to me because of how long they can just be, like, clueless or they can be really cheery like my grandfather was. Like, he would always just repeat, uh, where's my martini? How's my – how about a Manhattan? Um, and uh, just other weird catchphrases or, like, other people that, like, get really angry and, like, scared to some extent. I don't know. 
There's something weird and morbid because, like, I was living with my grandfather when he was, like, in mild to more, hmm, maybe more, like, moderate Alzheimer's. Um, Like, I just lived with him for a month or two. We had sold our house in Tennessee, and we were about to move to Virginia. And so this would have been 2015, and he was starting to lose, like, of some of his, like, more day-to-day stuff. But he had the sudden resurgence of, like, childhood memories and, like, adolescent memories. And he started talking about, like, this old girlfriend he'd had. He'd started singing songs that we'd never heard him sing before. It was really, really interesting. That's one thing I really wish we could get to is, like, I remember hearing or reading something when I was little about how in the future we're going to have a pill where you can just experience someone else's consciousness. Jesus. I don't want that. I'm really curious, like, that's just all I wonder all the time is just like what it's like because I just wonder like how much of our thoughts or uh, of our memories define our consciousness like how much of consciousness is just memory and then just without that what consciousness is like but I guess if if you come out of it like what would you remember I don't know I would take a pill of your consciousness mine yeah how do you like you customize the pills you gotta pick like whose consciousness, or is it just like a grab bag or random? I don't want that. I don't know. This is like around the same time I remember hearing about this. Around the same time I heard about HDTV for the first time years before it came out, which was like, oh yeah, in the future we're going to have TVs that are really high definition. Yeah, go to carnival technology. Yeah, you gotta see the Simpsons a little more clearly, and you gotta fucking go to yourself, somebody. Um, that wasn't good. That's better. Okay. I don't even know if you guys can hear that. <laughs> I heard it. Okay. <laughs> um, you never wonder that? Just like what it's like to be in somebody else's head? Kind of. I don't know. It's inside of me. My head is stressful, you guys. I have, like, multiple, multiple streams of thought at once, and, like, none of them are, like, smart or intellectual. It's always, like, three, seven different things to be anxious about at once. And then, like, whatever the task I'm, whatever I'm doing at the moment, and then just, like, this horrible, this general, oh, I missed it, fucked. And then, like, this horrible, like, layer of just, like, existential things, and maybe, and when maybe if I'm, like, horny or hungry or something more primal than that, too. How do you just, how... How do just you like? I, don't know what the fuck I also wouldn't want to waste consciousness on anybody either. But <laughs> doesn't sound like a good time. I don't know why you would. I, I don't. I, I would never. I don't envy somebody else's consciousness necessarily. When I when I say I wonder a lot of the time, it's just like how 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 are they able to function? Like so stupid. Like, they're so stupid. Like, how are they able to think that way? It makes no sense to me. I always assume chill people have, like, really fun circumstances, you know, or maybe, like, I'm, like, maybe they're rich or privileged in another way, so that's why they're not worried about stuff all the time. Maybe, but, like... But that's not true. I know it's not. Yeah, I mean, but also it's, in like, isn't art in general and, like, writing and stuff, isn't just communication a way of giving people a glimpse into your consciousness, even though? I am... I think that's what it's like. Like, I think that I think that what I that's what I consider to be like the most like potent thing about art is like with its communicated aspects. Like you know, like you get to you get to kind of see how um, 
how somebody distills their own environment and their surroundings. I was at, um, actually, when I was still before, I ever actually moved to Indiana. Oh, right. Which I don't even want to get out, but before I even moved there, um, like my last big, like, hurrah was to go to LACMA and pick a bunch of acid and go to LACMA and, like, one time I saw these, like, paintings. And, like, I'm like, like, little windows into somebody else's person, you know, like, like, sir. Consciousness or perspective, like you know, what they, you know, like what they chose to emphasize and how they saw things, you know, everything is kind of similar in their landscapes and stuff. But like, some people accentuate like, the shadows mean more to them, or the highlights mean more to them. That actually reminds me, I've never done acid or shrooms or any hallucinogenics, but I've I've read about them a lot because that culture has a lot of facets that interest me. And like, isn't that sort of what um like Ken Kesey and Charles Manson and stuff were attempting to do with acid a lot of times? Was just like to have a collective conscious that everyone sort of experiences the same brain. So, mm. <laughs> all right. I got an acid because of the butthole surfers. Well, the idea of, yeah, like, the collective consciousness and, like, trying to uncover things that are only accessible to, like, under certain, like, yeah, hippy-dippy, blah, like, spooky kind of escape my radar. Um, I don't really know. I'm not sure what that is. I think there are, like, a lot of people who would think that. Oftentimes, I don't, I, I don't enjoy getting high with those people. Um, but yeah, there might be some truth to it. Because I think uh, one of, I don't know if you're familiar with Mark Fisher, the Marxist theorist. Um, I'm not sure. He wrote Capitalist Realism. Okay. But before before it killed himself, I think the last work that he was working on, like you know. Potentially utilizing, like, psychedelics or, you know, having that as a potential avenue to sort of expand them, your imagination. Hmm. Because his, his notion that he came out in capitalist realism was that, like, society, a post-capitalist society is incredibly difficult for people to imagine right now. It's so entrenched in the way we think and everything that's around us. It's very difficult for us to really imagine how society... That is like, like a revolutionary society would exist. Uh, a non-transactional society. God. Yeah, like one, one not based on, not not one entirely based on like commodity production or you know, profit incentive. You know, I mean, it's like just like basic day-to-day things. Why you about that too? Like. You know, it was, like, so much of, like, the music that I listen to, like, you know, they have, like, it's inescapable from, like, the environment that it comes from. Right. So, it's, it's inescapable in effect, like, from the economic system that the environment employs. So, it's, like, a weird thing to just, like, think about. Like, because, like, I think, like, you know, um... Music and I'm, you know, like pre-colonial societies, like you know, pre-colonial, like like um periods, like a lot of indigenous music. And a lot of it is very communal. A lot of it is very like religious or spiritual. 
Mm, it's meant for the collective. It's mostly, are you talking about the mostly like rhythm based sort of stuff too? Oh. Huh. <laughs> more improvised and. Oh, well, and then Gamelon, um, you know, a lot of like, um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think they have like individual pop artists, you know? Right. Their their society wasn't atomized to the point where you had individuals like making like you know the gold part two in the bedroom or something. Hmm. Yeah. You know, you have that now because that's how you know we are more individually minded than we are collectively minded. Yeah. So that's. So what about like instruments? So were they did they have to like find their voice in a specific instrument or anything? The way we tend to think about it, like some pretty specific guitar tone and everything. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I don't really know the, the like the history of it, like the inner workings of like like those two dynamics, like how those two dynamics are reached. Not even entirely sure. Like, I mean, I'm talking about several different. Culture. Right. Like over like over like, you know, millennia long. I'm sure they had like different varying relationships to like maybe like the instruments that they played, if they owned them or if they were multifaceted, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh I don't know how to segue out of that. Well yeah, I always think about you know how it's like it's how people communicate or express differently but i as a writer i'm always worried about how people are interpreting the things i say right um what was this in in awaking life the no matter how much of like on a wavelength or how linguistically culturally similar you are to someone you still really cannot help how they take what you say you never know if they (laughs) you take it the way you intended it it's and it's like words are just symbols for an intent you're trying to express it's really hard sometimes to express an idea or an emotion with somebody, no matter how similar it is and no matter how well you communicate it. Can I ask what kind of... That's <laughs> <laughs> what kind of stuff you write? Like, what genre? Oh, bullshit mostly. Like, I just made myself sound really cool. <laughs> I mostly write quizzes and slideshows, but um, I also have a blog, um, The Dirtbag Christian, and then I'll be writing some fiction for Only Magazine soon. Like, I used to write a lot more, like, newsy media pieces, but they don't do as much freelance work anymore. Like, I have a full-time job, so I, like, I have a pretty full plate anyway. But, yeah, I can write lots of different things, and so I, but because I write so many different types of things, I'm always thinking, like, I'm writing for this kind of audience. I'm writing for this this kind of subject. I want this kind of person. So I'm always switching gears, like, you know, the baby boomers who I write quizzes and slideshows for don't want to hear about like religion and politics at all versus like my blog you know and that's that's all it is then fiction you know you want to do it but not so heavy-handed and i don't know who's going to read that but you're always adapting yourself really or maybe that's just me i'm adapting myself to write or communicate with a different type of person so i try to be very like in tune with how i connect with with them or the type of person I think would want to read or hear whatever it is I have to say. So would you say the audience is a fundamental role in, like, in how, I guess, the kind of product of your work? Absolutely. I mean, I say maybe it's like, I mean, to a point, you know, there's some selfishness things. Like, I write about things, especially in my 
in the my personal blog and my personal life, I write about things that are important to me. But like, I guess I've just been a commercial writer for long enough that I know that one, like people have to read it. But even if it's not about like, I don't care who reads that, you still want it to connect with somebody. So I definitely, I definitely constantly consider my audience and what people will think and what they will feel when they read something that I write. And so I try, I adapt it a little bit to them and it. And I think it changes how I communicate as well. Thinking of the audience has definitely changed in my writing style. Do you worry about how it will connect with them? Like if there's a wrong way for them to connect with it? I mean, like, yeah, I run into shit all the time. And, you know, I I try to take it. I try not to take it personally. I for Like, for instance, you know, it's like little things I copy-pasted some, like, term in one of my blogs. I used the the word lax. <laughs> Not even know if I'm saying it. And somebody Still. was like... Oh. That's a really condescending term, and people really need to stop using it. And, like, I hadn't heard that before. But I thought, you know, like, whatever I was trying to communicate, the person totally dismissed because I used that one word. And, you know, you have to think about stuff like that. But I don't think about, you know, people get some people are really touchy about political correctness. But for me, I find it more interesting. Like, I'm not trying to to make people write off something that I think and say because I used a word that's offensive. Like, it defeats the purpose of writing in the first place. So, like, I try I like to be somewhat non offensive or at least non offensive to the right people, the right audience. Right. Like, obviously, the stuff that I write is offensive to some people, but I don't care about those people, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's funny. I guess that's all political correctness is, really, is just, like, trying not to piss off the right people, but then the wrong people always get pissed off, and they want you to change, but it's like, we're not, we don't care about you. Yeah, I don't care. Like, yeah. Uh, Yeah, well, we've been talking for half an hour. Do you guys have anything else you want to add, or... I have no idea. I don't know what I can say that like I'm comfortable being preserved. I'm having to like recite this again over the course of a year. I mean, everything's preserved now. Almost, I can't. I can't. I almost never talk to people in a way that isn't preserved anymore. Do you think that? You think that affects your listening? Yeah. Well, that, but also like just like talking on the phone, talking over text, talking over email. Uh... Yeah. Yeah, just everything is like. Do you think that historians will sift through like Twitter and emails and shit in the future? There's so much content. What will they do? <laughs> it's not like an infomercial. <laughs> um, I mean, I think there will be like metadata they can uh, sort what they're looking for because I mean, yeah, like it's it's going. I think a lot that I think a lot of history is like based on individual narratives. Like I was just hearing about this guy who owned slaves, just some random guy, but they found his journal and it's illuminating just to get this one guy's perspective that he wasn't thinking anybody else was going to see. I think, um, yeah, I think, I don't know. It's weird to think about what the ever expanding future with more and more people and more and more stuff being archived that will be deemed important. What will be deemed important? Yeah. But I think ultimately, but I think, fuck. But I think, yeah, there will be themes ultimately that are sought, that are dissected, and then pe- whatever is available of individual people. I mean, we already do with blogs, like people searching through all blogs for things. I mean, we make memes out of like the bodybuilding forum posts and stuff. Like, 
Yeah, my kids occasionally make reference to like memes or things that I know they've never experienced before, but because it's in a meme format and they like their cuz I don't let them have too much media access, but they can watch things like they can watch like gamer like PG gamer YouTube things and they'll see like the gamer guy reference those things and so they'll start referencing it. Like what did they reference the other day? Something from Homestar Runner and I'm like you have never watched Homestar Runner. But it's not even just that, because like a meme can just be a post somebody made. It can just be something. Yeah. It could just be a face you made in public that somebody happened to capture it on camera. Uh, like, um, yeah, I mean, I think what we're seeing already is the future of history, basically. I mean, it's fascinating. It's like you know, it's it's like the logical conclusion of this whole pop art thing, you know, like postmoderny. Like the idea of postmodern art is like the abolishing distinction between highbrow and the lowbrow, to where everything just becomes like kind of like homogenized as this weird sort of mishmash culture. Yeah, I kind of like it. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I think I think it's fascinating. I don't know where else it can go. Which I I also I mean, I tied into like you know like political like you know just like the political state and how like this type of thing which is kind of postmodern kind of like culture is like white capitalist culture you know it's like yeah it's like the disruption and the rejection of all things sacred and and like and just turn into commodities just like you know you can't like you know, I mean, you can buy pretty much anything now. Like, there's no like, you can buy like you can buy like uh, you can buy like Joe crucifixes and shit. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like there's nothing like sanctified or anything anymore. You can see anybody naked now, like pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody you can think of. You don't even ever have to be naked. Like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think yeah. Like the next thing that comes in. It, that comes is basically just a great consolidation. Like you can't unring a bell, like all these forms of communication, all these forms, all of these disparate micro content things. Like, I mean, I always think it's interesting, like how TikTok and stuff like and vine, like you have like these moments that before would just be in a movie. Like a lot of memes are basically just like a TikTok or a vine taken from a movie or a TV show. And I think we're going to keep seeing everything break apart more like that. And then eventually just it's going to be so much that we're going to see like a great consolidation again of media of all these things still existing. But there's going to be more focus on long form and larger format again at some point. That's not crazy. Yeah. We can talk about like a whole length, like a bigger film or TikTok. I mean, it already sort of exists. You go on YouTube. My roommate's kid, he showed me, he just put on a video of memes the other day. Like, it was just this guy seemingly just has, like, um, I guess he just sets up, like, he coded something to pick off stuff off at Reddit or in Imgur or whatever. And then he has a robot voice read it, which is why, which is what makes me think it's all automated. That is just this program pulls all these memes reads what it says and then reads it out loud from the synthetic voice and then it just plays all of them for 10 minutes or whatever 
Hmm. <laughs> we're going to keep seeing more of that eventually. We're just going to we're going to be so much more focused on curated on curation again. Ugh. Well. Well, I feel I feel like that's a symptomatic of like a society becoming more and more depressed. It's like from my from my perspective, I feel like this like instant need to have noise, you know, or like. There's this total simulation, like, you know, like, sensory simulation comes from the fact that, like, you know, being alive right now is kind of unbearable for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, we're sitting here talking about what things are like in the future, but in all my leftist spaces, like, the real cynical ones are like, there's not going to be an America, there's not going to be a future, like. I think that's like, well, I don't think there's going to, well. I don't want there to be an America. That's neither. Yeah, neither do I. Uh, it's not that simple. I, I, it's very. I don't feel very hopeful with that. That's probably a net positive, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess what this comes down to is we've sort of reached the cultural singularity where just everything is always happening and everything is fleeting. We're all like, did you ever hear the story of like Rocky Erickson, like? The only way he could get to sleep was by having, like, nine TVs on at the same time on different channels. Oh, really? Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> well, he was schizophrenic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it was... Wow. At that point, that was, like, that was strange. That was not normal behavior. <laughs> but I think we're all, kind of, we're all becoming Rocky Erickson. Oh, that's true, yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's been a thing forever long now. Like, we watch, like, I mean, so many shows are based around the fact that you're not going to be watching them. You're going to be reading, looking at your phone, and watching videos on your phone while you're watching TV, probably. Yeah. And the person next to you is watching other videos. There are, like, 10-hour videos on YouTube that are, like, whole swaths of YouTube. They're like, don't expect you. They expect you to fall asleep to this. Like, there's, like, 10-hour... Yeah. Like, 10 hour thing. Like, that's the whole purpose. I don't expect you to watch the whole video. It's not an artistic statement, and there's just. It's just there. It's just drone for you. There's your background. Yeah. For yours. I bet Ray Bradbury is glad he's dead for all this. And Andy Warhol. Yeah. Or maybe Andy Warhol would be excited. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. How, uh, I don't know. I also think I never really thought about it actually about how production values simultaneously keep getting worse and better at the same time. Do you remember that video of like all the people who lived in the TikTok house? It was, I, it was like, I think it was in like no, maybe October, November. I don't even remember when it was like last year of the eternal now. Yeah, so, like, there was this video of, like, all these extremely attractive, fit people showing how they do every day. They're like, this is the filming room, and this is the workout room, and it was just, like, it was just, like, just in, like, some L.A. house, and, like, all these people must have been, like, 25 or under. They were all extremely attractive, and they were all TikTok influencer types, and they all lived in, like, the same house. And they were all filming in all rooms all the time, right? Yes, yes. It wasn't just like, this is the exercise room where you get a break from this. Like, no, you were always content. Yeah, what a weird way to live. That's horrifying. 
Yeah, but I mean, we were expecting this forever, I guess. I mean, between Andy Warhol, The Truman Show, Ed TV. Uh, yeah. That woman in the 90s, or I remember my dad reading an article to me in the 90s about a woman that was just going to leave her webcam on all the time, and you could just check in and see what she's up to. Oh, yeah, that girl. And they like, yeah, she ended it, I think. She ended up having sex with her friend's boyfriend or something. Oh, really? And it was on camera. <laughs> Damn. So. Yeah, fuck. Why would. I was going to say, why would you do that? But I guess. I guess. But I, I don't. I mean, like. This is before anyone even ever thought about it. Maybe it was a, a radical statement. Like, I'm going to do this thing knowing the consequences that might happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, boy. Like, banality used to be such, like, a radical statement or, like, an art, you know? It's just, like, do, like, normal shit. Like, um... Yeah, I forgot who the artist was. But she was, like, a mixed-media artist. And, like, like her like her museum installation was just, like, a like a her messy bed. Like, a replication of her messy bed. Yeah. It was, like, it, it, it made, like, huge waves. And now, like, that's all content is now. Like it's just it's just real life. Sometimes with a filter on it, sometimes not, but Yeah. We all have to stick out. Like I remember a girl on OK Cupid when I was in Indiana, she had a video that she recorded of her going to bed and going to sleep. And that was her profile. She just had a link to a live feed she had done. Like back when you could do that with Google Hangouts through YouTube and it was just like six hours and I just skipped through and it was just like, yeah, there she is, sleeping. That's fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess that's it. It's about 40 minutes. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I I live a pretty online life, so I get it. Yeah. Yeah, we're all chauvinists and voyeurs in our own way. Yeah. Whole thing is part of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, to cut down the torture in the future, I think I'll cut this off now. Yes. Sounds good. All right. Okay. So long. All right. There.